and welcome into a rare Wednesday night edition of Packers Playbook. Miller Lights Packers Playbook. I'm Greg Matzik along with Jeff Falconio. Ashton Rotman has done his early trick-or-treating. He's producing the program tonight. Two-hour program and uh, lots of stuff to cover, lots of ground to cover. Brian Gutekunst, I nearly passed out. The GM is speaking after trades were made. That's right. All new stuff here with the Green Bay Packers. We will talk trade. We'll hear from the Packers GM coming up at 624 tonight. Also, Aaron Rodgers' thoughts on the deals made by the Packers and this weekend's matchup against the Patriots. We'll do that before the end of our number one. And a good friend of ours, Greg Bedard, remember him from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. He's now out east covering things, all things Boston sports. He'll join us to get a little look at the Patriots tonight at 733. We welcome in your phone calls as well at 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, last week, Jeff, in our fantastic and award-winning game of Fact or Naw, mm-hmm. we brought up the trade deadline, which in years past was a bit of a nothing burger for Ted Thompson and the Green Bay Packers. And certainly the Ty Montgomery thing just kind of came up out of nowhere. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Ha-ha, Clinton Dix was a name being bantered about, but... I had suggested to you that we were talking about, are the Packers going to buy somebody? They're going to bring somebody in. And I think I said toward the end of that segment, what if they go the other way? And they sell off a piece or two. Well, it's exactly what they did. But will they regret letting HaHa Clinton Dix go? Question for you. Question for you out there in Radioland as well at 414-799-1620. I had said that I didn't think the Packers would trade players away for draft picks. I mean, they already have two extra draft picks next year to begin with. Uh, the HaHa Clinton Dick situation, yeah, I mean, we knew his name was out there. Um, you know, he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. It didn't seem like he was going to be in the plans beyond this year. So I guess ultimately not totally surprised that that move was made. The Ty Montgomery trade, obviously, is something that boiled up over the weekend. I don't think for the remainder of the season they're going to miss Clinton Dix. I mean, he did make some plays earlier this year, but we know that while his play has been good at times, he never really reached that consistent level that you expect out of a, a first-round pick week in and week out, year in and year out. And, you know, now when you look at where this secondary is, and especially at cornerback with how healthy they are and how many bodies they have, you can have some flexibility here with who you want to move to the safety position. So I don't think it's a big loss. Um, I, to me, the more noteworthy thing is what they got back for the two guys, a fourth-rounder next year, a seventh-rounder in 2020. That just sort of seems like, well, they were not desperate to unload these guys, but sort of like, uh, you know, just name your price. You know, we'll take it. Well, it, it tells me that if, if Montgomery weren't traded, you would have been released. He, he was, Probably. They, were, they were not going into the practice week with Ty Montgomery on the roster. And it was trying to think about what, what HaHa's draft compensation would have been in terms of the compensatory pick world. Uh, and, and might the Packers have received a fourth-round pick in, in return? Maybe. But that would have been in 2020. Yeah, it's hard to say because then it's also who they signed. Exactly, and I think Brian Gutekunst will probably be more active in that world than Ted Thompson. So that's not a slam dunk. You're going to get something in return that's coveted. So I'm not surprised by the move. I don't think the Packers are better today at safety than they were 48 hours ago or 24 hours ago for that matter. They've got some options, but I think you may have to look outside the box here too with guys like Bashad Breeland and Tremont Williams. Sure, so, you sure. know, it's not just Jermaine Whitehead, Kentrell Bryson, you know, cross your fingers and hope for the best. I, I think you I think you need to have some sort of veteran presence in your deep secondary. Two young guys back there, that would make me a little nervous. I would imagine you will see Tremont Williams and or Bashad Breeland fill out that position more often than not. And part of it, uh, that, it has me wondering if Breeland has just been sort of 
you know, working at that position in practice the last couple of weeks and maybe the reason why he hasn't played at all. I'm not, I'm not sure that's speculation I, yeah, on my PF. I, it, it's, it's definitely speculation because I, I would have thought, okay, clearly they're getting him ramped up. I'm going to remember, I mean, he didn't have any offseason. He didn't have a training camp. So, you know, it, it probably was going to take him six weeks to get up to speed and then you get to the bye week that surely he would be not just available but active. Uh, and, you know, obviously he didn't dress in the game on Sunday. Uh, when we asked Tom Silverstein about it um, on uh, Packers game day, you know, he said that, well, I think maybe they're thinking he's more of an emergency type of a situation if uh, they have some injuries at that position. But now you have to believe, you know, with a position open that, um, you know, again, maybe they move Tremont to safety and, and you start to see Breland getting some snaps at cornerback. And again, the thing we talked about Breland, and I think people forget this, he's not a practice squad level guy. I mean, he's a legit NFL starter. So, I mean, you'd think, wouldn't you want to get him on the field sooner rather than later? I think that's going to happen this week. I'm just not sure in what capacity, but I'd be shocked if Bashad Breland were not playing in active and on the 46 uh, for the game against uh, Tom Brady and the Patriots. I, I think that'd be a recipe for disaster to have the trio of Bryce Whitehead, Josh Jones as your two safeties certainly, certainly. against Tom Brady and the Patriots. Right? I mean, that's, that's uh, what, are you, what are you doing there? <laughs> Uh, so we'll see. That's uh, a bad I, look. Right. I, I don't think the Packers are better at safety, given the safeties they have. We'll see how Mike McCarthy draws things up, along with Mike Pettin for the defensive backfield and kick returner. That's going to be an interesting one until Trevor Davis returns. That cannot happen until after the Miami game. 414-799-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We'll get to your calls coming up on the other side. Also, what I think the trades really mean, the trades orchestrated by Brian Gutekunst, what is he really saying by making these moves? Explain after this on WTMJ. Welcome back in. It's Miller Lite's Packers Playbook on WTMJ. Greg Matzik with you along with Jeff Falconio. Are the Packers going to regret letting HaHa Clinton Dix go? Short-term, long-term? What do you feel about this one? 414-799-1620. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, got a note on the text line saying, Hey, Greg, do these moves indicate the Packers are throwing in the towel on the season? I guess in some respects you can look and say, well, the Packers sold. They are sellers. They did not acquire anything except a future draft asset for Ty Montgomery and for HaHa Clinton Dix. Well, Brian Gutekunst was asked that question earlier today. Yeah, I would disagree. I would disagree with that. To be like, first of all, that doesn't really happen in the NFL. I know that in other leagues that uh, you've seen some of that, but uh, that's certainly not the case here. We feel really good about our team. Um, you know, NF, you know, football is the ultimate team game. And um, taking individual pieces out don't necessarily weaken anything. I mean, it's about the team. And um, I feel really good about our team. I like the strength of our team. Um, and uh, I like where we're, where we're going forward. I don't, I, don't, I don't believe in any of that stuff. Okay, so the Packers aren't tanking. That's great. I, I still don't think they're better at safety right now. But I, I don't know well, if they're, they're that much worse either. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I, I don't think they're marginally better. And I th- think they just might be a little bit worse. But whatever. But there's a bigger thing in play here. So I'm trying to peel back the layers of the onion and just sort of see what Brian Gutekunst has done in a short time as GM. And this goes back to draft day, when the Packers traded down, they acquired another first-round draft pick, and that might be pick number 31. Who knows? Uh, the Saints are playing pretty good football right now. But nonetheless, the Packers will go into next April or May's draft with two first-round draft picks. Well, they acquire a fourth-rounder here now for the Clinton-Dix trade. I know it's only a seventh-rounder, but they're acquiring draft capital. Now, to me, the trades orchestrated by Gutekunst, including the one that happened on draft day, to me that's recognizing the roster is lacking core talent and depth. And I'm talking about core talent and depth 
in their prime. And this reflects on the Ted Thompson draft years of 2013 to 2015. Just three players reached a second contract with the Packers. I mean, these guys should be the backbone of your roster, and they're not even on the roster, the majority of them. And I think Gutekunst has recognized that, and he's trying to keep a team competitive, but also stockpiling here a little bit in trying to build for the future because it is a talent-depleted roster. It's aging veterans making a lot of money and a lot of first- and second-year players. Well, this is why you made the change of general manager, though, isn't it? Um, it is. You needed a, a new direction. You needed a new approach. And I think already Gutekunst has done things you know, just in his not even full first year that Ted Thompson would not have done or didn't do or had the opportunity to do but didn't. Um, so, and, and that's, you know, these things take time. Uh, I don't think the Packers are now in rebuilding mode because you wouldn't sign Aaron Rodgers to the kind of contract that you did and then, and then rebuild. And I, and it's too good to comment too. I mean, you don't really tank or you know, you're not really sellers like you do, like you see in major league baseball or in the NBA. It doesn't really work like that in the NFL for no other reason than, I mean, the Packers are three, three and one. I know it's a tough stretch here in, in November, which is, I mean, the Vikings got blown away. On Sunday night, so it's not like anybody is running away with the NFC North, and it's not like all hope is lost. It's not like oh, this team has no chance of making the postseason. It's going to be difficult, but um, no, this isn't a, a a sign of you know they're they're hoisting up the white flag here for the 2018 season. I think you were just looking at again, Montgomery, as you pointed out. I mean, he was gone one way or the other, so might as well at least get something back for him. Ha ha, Clinton Dix. Well, you you take away some safety depth. You talk about you take away veteran presence. You take away a guy who plays a ton of snaps. But you're also talking about a position that has had its trouble points. Now, the last couple of weeks, it actually it has been better. It hasn't been as big a liability. But, again, you have a lot of depth, and you've got veterans presence at that cornerback position. Some of those guys are going to have to shift over and you know get some snaps at safety, obviously, now. Let's talk to Mike in Chicago on WTMJ. Hey, Mike. Yeah, hi, guys. How's it going? I don't think they're significantly worse without Clinton Dix. I thought he kind of regressed after his Pro Bowl year, and, well, going back to last year, I thought he was really, really playing too far off the line from scrimmage. He was like in a different area code. But to, to reflect on the game Sunday, it was a playoff game atmosphere to me anyways, guys. And it was a, another disappointing, heartbreaking loss in a big game, in a, a big game situation. I like the, the overtime games against the Cardinals and the devastating loss against Seattle. It just had that feeling, and that's why I don't think this team's ever going to get over the hurdle and win a Super Bowl uh, in, in any period of time right now. And it's sad to say with a great player like Rodgers, it's just uh, it's just the same thing for me every week, guys. Uh, just disappointing and uh, just a lackluster offense. They're fourteen to the league in scoring points, and uh, basically at one time they had 13 points midway through the third quarter, and they were two for nine on, uh, off, uh, on the offense on third-down conversion. That's just... Uh, Nothing's happening positive as far as I'm concerned. Uh, great show. I'll continue to listen. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate the phone call, Mike. We'll address that on the other side. We'll hear more from the Packers GM who addressed the media today. We'll do it all right after this. Miller Lights, Packers Playbook continues on WTMJ. About just days until Wisconsin heads to the polls. What takeaways are there from the latest Marquette Law School poll? Gene Miller dives in tomorrow. He'll look at the numbers at 721. That's tomorrow on Wisconsin's Morning News. Greg Matzik and Jeff Falconia with you. It's Miller Lite's Packers Playbook. Are the Packers a 9 or 10 win team this season? If so, where do those wins come from? We'll take a look at that coming up after the 630 news. Back to Packers GM Brian Gutekunst to address the media earlier today. 
And he was asked if the trades of Ty Montgomery and HaHa Clinton Dix, specifically Montgomery, was made because of recent comments from the locker room. So I think you take everything into consideration when you make these kind of decisions. Um, but performance comes first. That's always kind of the, the, the major factor in these decisions. Um, but everything's taken into account. And, um, but uh, it's never usually just one thing. As for the depth in the secondary, Gutekunst believes the Packers will be just fine. Yeah, obviously Ha-Ha is a very good player. Um, but we have a lot of bodies that um, have been itching to get out there, a lot of guys that uh, haven't had their opportunities yet. And um, I think they're really excited, and, and, and I, as am I, to see what they can do. And perhaps not so timely, Jeff. One of the only two players not to practice today, safety Jermaine Whitehead. Mm. <laughs> Great. When the rain's a pours, right? <laughs> I suppose it does. Um, I, I am not shocked by the moves. I, I'm really not shocked by the moves. And I, I think the Packers are a, a fringe playoff team uh they make up the creamy middle of the nfl's middle class that's what it is we talked about this last week there are haves and there are have-nots and then there is a bulky middle class and the packers are right in the middle of it frankly the entire nfc north is in it yeah and that's why you can't look at this and say what's well, a wash i mean this team is going down the tubes what have they just done here well no they're still right in it but I don't think they're among the elite in the NFC, uh, even if they win their division, right? Uh, oh, more sure. than likely, you know, yeah. they get a home playoff game, great. But I-, I think it's still an uphill battle. The thing that buoys the Packers is, of course, the quarterback. Well, those aren't buoys. Mm. <laughs> no, I, you know, we talked about this last week. When you look at the other NFC North teams, they all still have to play each other. You know, there, there's five games each that the Vikings, Bears, and Lions have to play, and I believe it's all going to kick off this weekend in Minnesota and Detroit. Uh, on the schedule, so you know it starts there, and and there's going to be a lot of I, I think beating up on each other, and you know we talk about it. I don't think it'll be as bad as 2013, but nine six and one, I think might might be good enough to win the division. I mean, we'll see. I still think the Vikings will end up um, winning this division, and and I, I do believe their roster is better than than a nine win team. But um, this is what I don't like about the NFL. Certainly, this deep into the season, we talk about it being a week to week league when you can't figure out who's good and who isn't. Rams are good. Okay, Giants are bad, Seahawks are bad, or uh, uh, Cardinals are bad, um, but everybody else, I got no idea. And we thought, you know, Brian Fitzpatrick, right? Well, he's done. That's it for Fitzpatrick. He's you know, back. All of a sudden, you know, he comes back against Cincinnati. Uh, you know, this huge comeback in the fourth quarter. They didn't finish it off, but I don't know what to believe from that team. It, well, isn't that amazing? It's the beauty of the NFL, right there in a nutshell. Yeah, I don't know what yes good defense no. is. I'm, but... I'm, I'm all for parity, but but I am not for confusion. And it is a land of confusion right now it throughout is. the NFL. As Phil Collins once said. Yeah. I don't know what good defense is in the NFL, I'll tell you that much. Um, but I think the Packers are, are playing better. I, defense, I, you know, I'm looking around the league and I see good defenses, air quotes here, good defenses, giving up 35 points or yeah, 38 points. The problem is it's in fits and starts. You know, like against San Francisco, well, it was not good in the first half. They gave it 24 points in the first half. But they did what they had to do starting about midway through the third quarter until the rest of the game to finish it off. Against the Rams, I think they played a pretty good game. You knew that Todd Gurley was going to get his touches, going to get his yards. You knew that even in the first half, when they did a very good job of containing the Rams, they were down by double digits for the first time, I don't know, all year? Uh, you know, or the first time in a long time? Uh, but you knew as that first half unfolded that the Rams are going to get their act together. It was just a matter of can you hang on? And, you know, then, then you get into that unfortunate stretch where the Packers get the ball with 649 to play. They go three and out. And then a 25 yard punt, which almost immediately put the Rams in field goal range, which gave them the lead. 
Hard to blame the defense. And, I, you know, I, they've gotten better overall, but they still haven't played, other than the Buffalo game, but, I mean, the Bills are a triple-A offense. They haven't put together a complete game. They play, They came pretty close against the Rams. So how many wins will the Packers generate this season? Nine, ten? Where do those wins come from? We'll take a look at that coming up on the other side of the news. We'll also hear from Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Well, twice as many people are expected to have turned out to vote early in the midterms. Jeff Wagner doesn't think it'll make a huge difference in the overall turnout, however. Hear Jeff's explanation tomorrow at 1.10, the Jeff Wagner Show here on WTMJ. This is Miller Lights Packers Playbook. Greg Matzik and Jeff Falconia with you till 8 o'clock tonight. We'll take your calls here at 414-799-1620. That is the Akinet Mortgage Talk and Text Line coming up at 743 tonight. We'll get you set for week nine of the NFL season and tell you what to watch. How many wins wins the North? What's it going to take? The division winner at the end of this season will have how many wins? Uh, so I just said before the break that nine six and one could win the division, but I think ten wins. Ten wins wins. I, I, the I division. think ten wins wins the division. Do you think the Packers can get to ten wins given their schedule here? So during Packers OT after the San Francisco game, I went through the schedule. As at the time they were three two and one, and said, "Well, you know they they need seven wins to get to that ten win mark." And I think ten five and one, of course, obviously is better than ten and six. So might even get you a wild card spot if it doesn't win you the division. You've got these five tough road games, Rams, Patriots, uh, Seahawks, Vikings, and Bears. you got to go two and three in that stretch. But if you do go two and three in that stretch, that means you got to run the table for all the other games. So you got to win all four home games, and then you got to beat the Jets on the road. It, it's a totally different animal here to close out the season than it is right now. The Packers are going through undoubtedly one of the most difficult stretches of games any team will go through this season. And uh, it's tough for the NFC North teams because you're playing the New Englands of the world, and more than likely Seattle's on your schedule. But the Packers finish up following that road game on November 25th at Minnesota. They have Arizona at home. Arizona's terrible. The Atlanta Falcons in December in Lambeau, that isn't as scary as Atlanta at home ever. That offense is still interesting to me, but for yeah. whatever reason, it's, it, their defense has taken a hit and injuries have played a role. Uh, the Bears, who knows where they will be. The Jets come in with a rookie quarterback and you finish... Uh, I'm sorry, that's on the road. And then he finished up with Detroit at home. Uh, I, and that's, uh, you know, December 30th at Lambeau Field. So, I mean, I don't think that's exactly murderer's road to finish the season. The Packers are going through that right now. So I don't think it's unreasonable to think the Packers can't win, you know, their last five games on the schedule. But where do they get two wins out of this next group of four? Exactly. Right? So there's the trick. Uh, no doubt. So that, that that puts a lot of importance on this New England game. And I'm not going to say that this is a must-win game, but if you lose this game, yeah, that puts a very big premium on beating Seattle on the road, uh, possibly beating Minnesota on the road. Remember, if you don't beat Minnesota on the road, they do have the tiebreaker then, uh, head-to-head 1-0-1. And I, I still think that road game against Chicago is going to be difficult. I would not discount either Miami or Atlanta, though. Home games... Um, it's obviously going to be a little bit colder than what you're used to, but Detroit has come to Lambeau Field twice in the last three years after November 1st and 1. Minnesota has done the same thing. So um, I don't know where the Falcons are going to be. You kind of assume they'll be in the hunt for a playoff spot by the time they come to Lambeau Field. So that's going to be an important game, and you never know. You never, I mean, it's gotten to a point now where I remember a few years back they had a home game against Dallas. And it was in December, and it was like 55 degrees and raining, which, you know, who would have expected that in December? So 
it could be 20 degrees cold. As always, I think it's not so much the temperature as it is the wind and precipitation, and especially for a team like Atlanta that relies so much on speed. So how difficult is it to bounce back from the loss at Los Angeles? As you look through the stats, and uh, neither team was really penalized all that much. The Packers averaged five and a half yards per carry. Aaron Jones was over seven yards per carry. Aaron Rodgers had a, a very representative day with no turnovers. The Packers played a pretty good game. Everybody was saying, boy, it's a pretty good game against yeah. a very good team. Sure. They made a big mistake at the end to take the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands, and the guy who did it is no longer on the team. But what does it say when you put forward your best effort and still can't win? You know what I mean? Like, How much separation is there really between these two teams, and was that the best effort the Packers have got in the tank? That's the thing that strikes me about this stretch of games is normally in the past you'd think, oh, okay, well, this is a difficult game, but the Packers are always up to the task. Exactly. Not that I feel like they necessarily aren't up to the task, but this just seems a lot tougher than normal. If you played one of the best teams in the NFC, maybe the best team in the NFC, followed it up by playing one of the best teams in the AFC, I think in years past you'd say, tough stretch, but you should be able to go 1-1. One and one. I think now you look at it and you say... 0-2 seems like the likely scenario, the likely outcome, and that's something that we didn't say in years past, even even I think in 2016. You know, I think you still felt like this team can get it together. I don't know about this 2018 team. 414-799-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line if you'd like to weigh in on the discussion. Got some comments from Aaron Rodgers, who spoke at his locker earlier today, to share with you on the other side. Where do they get seven more wins from? I think nine wins might win this division, but even six more wins? Is that attainable for the Packers this year? Back to your thoughts on the other side. Miller Lights, Packers Playbook continues after this. Hey, Ashton, what's your favorite candy? Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Is that it? Quit to answer. Quit to the trigger. I know the answer. Okay. He says Reese's. I said Reese's Reese's this time. I said it right this time. You said it right, didn't you? This time I did. No, I did. He's mad because I didn't say it right earlier. I do it on purpose. I say Reese's on purpose. Fair enough. Jeff? Uh, my favorite candy? Yeah. Clark Bar. Clark Bar. Oh, I love the Clark Bar. Hard right. to find in these parts, but outstanding. I'll go Way the, better than Butterfinger. I'll go with the Take 5. I don't know what took That's Hershey's so long to put together peanut butter and pretzel and chocolate in one. But... Now, don't they market it as like an energy bar kind of thing? No, I think you're thinking about Twix. Oh. Okay. That's the one with the cookie crunch. Uh, the swirling chocolate in the commercial. And the almonds. Nice. 414-799-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is Miller Lions Packers Playbook. I'm Greg Matzik, joined by Jeff Falcone. As a total aside, on, yes. on Halloween night, I just want to point this out to the candy makers out there. You, yes. know, you get that variety bag where they'll have Snickers, they'll have Kit Kat, they'll have Crunch Bar, and then black licorice. That seems like an odd duck, Yeah, and it's, it you end up eating 75% of the bag. Why can't you put four good candy bars together in the variety bag? Now, see, if I'm the marketers of the black licorice, I'm saying, hey, can I get in? Let me in. Well, that's just it. That's like, well, this right? is... Right? I, I am overpaying to get into that mix. This is our this is our time of year to, uh, to you know, max out the sales. So, uh, why don't you go over there with, with the good candy bars? Exactly. I don't like that. 414-799-1620. If you'd like to weigh in on our candy discussion or uh, talk some Packers football here. Nine wins? I, I think nine could probably win the North, given the weirdo tie that the Packers and Vikings have. I feel like that's going to come into the equation here. But I also get the feeling that the NFC North is going to be a one-bid playoff team in uh, the NFL's postseason. I, I don't know. It's going to be weird to see how this all plays out because the NFL is just strange at this point in time. Uh, Aaron Rodgers at his locker today commented on the moves made by the Packers in the last 24 hours, and he's not worried about the locker room, the state of it, from here on out. 
I feel good about the locker room. I think we got good leadership. I think uh, nobody's been been hanging their head. We're obviously disappointed about the result on on Sunday. I wouldn't say anybody's discouraged though. I think uh, you know we're uh, we're a tight knit group. Just look at what we did on Monday. We had a nice little you know uh, team Halloween party, well attended. I finally played some MJ and some Prince later in the night, so some songs that some of us older folks actually knew. Um, but no, it's a tight-knit group. We hang out together. We enjoy each other's company, and you guys stick together. You guys stick together through the losses, through decisions that are made that are out of our control, and and uh, keep me moving forward with the, with the same vision. Rodgers also indicating the game against the Rams, albeit a loss, gave the team a little confidence moving forward. When we start off the game the, the way we did on defense, it gave the entire team a lot of confidence because we felt like they were shutting them down and, and the offensive urgency picked up a little bit. Now, it didn't equate to a ton of points, um, but we felt uh, with them rolling like that that, you know, and now it was on us. And, and I think that's how our offense, you know, we, we do, uh, we can raise our level at times and we got to do it more often. But when the defense is playing like that, the expectation of winning goes up. And I said, you know, I said that, uh, you know, one of the production meetings, you know, every year a team needs to learn how to win. And and hopefully win on Sunday. I think we learned a lot about ourselves and and hopefully we can take that confidence that we started that game with and, and play with it for 60 minutes on Sunday. So that was an interesting comment from Rogers, Jeff. It, finally, finally, we saw the defense prop up the offense in a game against an outstanding offensive team. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was there. The defense was outstanding. It was a bizarre sequence at the end of the half, and all of a sudden the Rams had eight points on the board because of a well-positioned punt and a questionable play call by Mike McCarthy, and boom, all of a sudden it's a safety, you punt, touchdown. I, the defense was there, and it was it was more than adequate. I mean, it was good against that Rams rushing attack, and it really controlled the passing attack, a lot of pass breakups, active, fast, perfect conditions, mind you. But, I mean, there was confidence to be gained. I've been more frustrated, really, with the consistency or lack thereof in the offense. Sure, I expect yeah. it from the defense. I really do. I expect it to be a roller coaster ride with this defense. I just do. I expect consistency out of the offense, and we haven't seen it. I mean, going back to the, the first couple of weeks of the season, I had said the same thing. I, I, I felt that, to me, the big concern for as much as the defense lacking in, in the first half against Chicago and the second half against Minnesota and pretty much the whole game against the Redskins, it, it was the offense, to me, that was troubling because it wasn't you weren't getting the consistency, and you're still not getting the consistency uh, from your offense. I mean, you've needed two big-time fourth-quarter comebacks against Chicago and San Francisco to save the season up to this point. I agree with your assessment of the defense. I think they played very well against the Rams. I mean, again, Todd Gurley ended up getting his yards. I don't think it got away from the too much, uh, but, you know, those two long drives in the third quarter, that's just that's the Rams. You know, I mean, that's just what they do, but the defense kept that team in the game. You're waiting for this offense to come alive. All right, you, you were finally healthy once again at wide receiver. You finally saw Aaron Jones become the number one running back. And you're still struggling. You know, you're still grasping it. At, when is this offense going to get its guy? And that's another thing. You think about how high-powered the Rams are, how high-powered the Patriots are, how high-powered the Vikings can be, the Falcons. Um, maybe even to some degree the Seahawks as well, especially at home. Seahawks put like 31 points on the board against the Rams earlier this year. So, you know, you're, you're facing not only good teams, but you're facing good offensive teams. Okay, so let's dial that in. 
what is leading to the struggles on offense here? Because it has been a Jekyll and Hyde sort of run, not a ton of balance. Although you did see a little more of it in that win uh, or in that game against the Rams, and oftentimes the Packers trying to dig out of a monumental hole. So let's dial this in. Let's try and figure it out on the other side. Get to your thoughts as well at four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. The Iconet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We continue after this on WTMJ. Wrapping up hour number one of Miller Lines Packers Playbook. I'm Greg Matzik along with Jeff Falconio. Twenty fourteen, the Packers led the league in scoring per game thirty point four points per game. That was the best in all of the NFL. The very next year, 2015, it dropped. It dropped about seven points, so a touchdown less in 2015. The Packers dropped to 15th in the NFL, averaging 23 points per game. Last year, we know Brett Hundley was a key contributor, Mm. but the Packers' offense very much fell off and averaged just 20 points per game. That was good for 21st in the NFL. Right now, the Packers are averaging 25 points per game, and it seems like their end total... Is representative of the offense, but arriving at that total is a big head scratcher. For example, you're down twenty four nothing against the Lions, or down whatever the heck it was against the Redskins, and having to dig out of these giant holes where defenses are saying, "Fine, if you want to have a twelve play drive, go ahead." If it results in points, good. You've eaten up so much clock that it's not going to matter in the end. So I, you know, you look at points per game and say, eh, twenty five points per game. It's not terrible, but you'd like to see better." Mm-hmm. Uh, it does speak to the level of clunkiness they've had in the red zone. I think to a degree the the, level, the issues they've had on third down, two of nine against the Rams, settling for field goals against the Rams, the Patriots, you can't do it and expect to win. So what has led to this? Is it, is it more of an out-of-balance offense right now and you know somehow that hand was forced given their early deficits? Did we see a, a, a coming of age of the Packers' offense against the Rams? I mean, I hesitate to say that. You only saw 27 points on the board. Um, I, I hate to say it, but it seems like the story changes week to week. Part of it is uh, those big deficits that you talk about at, at halftime, although we really haven't seen that in a few weeks, um, probably not since the, well, since the Detroit game. Um, that's part of it. I think there was clearly a lack of punch from the running game early on in the season while you were Aaron Jones was either suspended or you were waiting for him to get back into the fold. And, you know, again, a, here we said again, another week we're saying, all right, is this finally now we're going to see Aaron Jones become a bigger part of the offense? To me, one of the big themes, though, throughout the season has been third down. And against San Francisco, I mean, you go back and look at how many third and long situations they had, third and seven yards or more. Almost every third down they had was was third and long. It was a little bit better against the Rams, but you point out, I mean, only, what, two of nine on, on third down? That, that's the story right there. And and then you, you start to break it down a little bit more. Two big third down plays in the second half. Uh, both times ended with an Aaron Donald sack. One led to a field goal on a, when you had a third and two, and you're absolutely right, and we talked about it. It's got to be touchdowns, not field goals against the Rams. And it's got to be touchdowns and not field goals against the Patriots. And then uh, get the ball back with 6.49 to play in the game. You go three and out, third down, sacked by Aaron Donald. Then you compound it with a 25-yard punt. Those are two plays right there that made a huge difference in this game. Huge. Mark is in Fond du Lac joining us here on Packers Playbook. Hi, Mark. Good evening, guys. Uh, my question would be this. You made a reference to... Mike McCarthy's questionable play call at the goal line. I'm under the impression that Aaron Rodgers has two plays at his disposal almost every snap. Um, if that's the case, I assume then always when the play doesn't work and it's the wrong play, it was McCarthy's play, 
And when it's the right play, it was Aaron Rodgers' play because I think that's kind of the scenario that's always painted. And I, I struggle with that. I, maybe he did call a poor play, but uh, when we're talking play calling, there's two people almost always involved in that play call, and only one of them seems to always get the blame. I'm not saying McCarthy's a genius. But I just think that one person gets a free pass and one person gets all the blame. Thanks, guys. No, I, I agree with you there, Mark. And um, uh, Mark, you still there? Yeah, hang on the line for a second. So it, I think maybe a better way to put it is questionable position grouping because you had Aaron Jones as your running back in that situation and, and not more of a, a battering ram, if you will, uh, with Jamal Williams. So that is not up to Aaron Rodgers. The, the guys on the field, that's that's coming in from the sidelines. So, yes, Aaron can change a play. He's got full authority to do it, run-pass option, all that kind of stuff. But he doesn't change the personnel grouping. He kind of works with the tools he has. So, uh, But, yes, I mean, I agree with the caller there. It's, it's, yeah. I, it, it, it's very difficult sometimes to see when it's a McCarthy play or when it's a Rodgers play. And I do agree with his assessment yeah, he, that if it doesn't work, it, it had to be McCarthy, yeah, right? If it did work, ooh, that's the brilliance of Aaron Rodgers, and he, that's just not the case. Exactly. He's absolutely right. When things go well, Aaron Rodgers is great. When things go poorly, Mike, Mike McCarthy's an idiot. And I don't want to say that McCarthy is completely absolved of blame, but I, I say this often. I don't like to nitpick play calling for that exact reason. You don't know what's been audible, and when there is an audible called, you don't know what Aaron Rodgers is seeing that nobody else sees. Um, you never know who misses an assignment. You never know who breaks off from a route earlier than they're supposed to, or if there's a personnel mismatch that you see on the field. I mean, there are just there are so many components. You know this, Greg. I mean, there's so many components that go into just one play in in any given NFL game, and that's why I don't like to nitpick on the play calling because you you never know the play that's called from the sidelines isn't always necessarily the play that's run. And sometimes it's the right play call, but the wrong execution. Sometimes, as you point out, it's the right play call, but the wrong personnel. There's a lot that goes into it. Al's in Chicago joining us next. Hey, Al. Yeah, hey, guys. Uh, two questions, please, uh, really quick. Um, number one, if we lose Hawk on Cooking Day, so she's already dead, does that mean we see more Kendall Bryce and I don't like that? Number two, what do you guys think about the play call that resulted in safety? Appreciate the phone call, Al. Uh, you were seeing plenty of Kentrell Bryce with Haha Clinton Dix. Yeah. Um, you're starting to see a little more Jermaine Whitehead, but he didn't practice today. You haven't seen any of Bashad Breeland. I'll be curious to see how this all gets sorted out. You haven't seen much of the second-round draft pick in Josh Jones. So I, I don't know what the best combination is. I have no idea. That Well, that kind of resets now uh, without Clinton Dix. Um, unfortunately, I think you're going to continue to see plenty of Kentrell Bryce out there, but I think it'll be a culmination of Tremont Williams. We talked about this earlier, Tremont Williams and, and Bashad Breeland at that third safety position, i.e., Clinton Dix's old spot, and then probably a rotation, uh, and, you know, between Bryce and, and Whitehead, and maybe even you know maybe a little Raven Green. Who knows? Because hey. he's been most of these special teams. By the way, he's made some nice plays here and there. So you know, opportunity is knocking right now for these young safeties. Josh Jones included. By the way, it's amazing we haven't even talked at all about Josh Jones for most of the year. Seems like he makes one good play a game. And I feel like that's not, not not enough. Well, it's usually on special teams, exactly, and then it's usually compounded with a penalty. And that's you know. Par for the course. Uh, get back to your thoughts coming up on the other side. The news is next on WTMJ. Miller Lights Packers Playbook continues. Happy Halloween. Welcome back in. It's Miller Lights Packers Playbook on WTMJ. Greg Matzik and Jeff Falconio with you until 8 o'clock tonight. A rare Wednesday Packers Playbook. We'll have Bucks basketball on the air at this time tomorrow. 
Coming up a little later this hour, we'll hear from former Milwaukee Journal Sentinel Packers beat writer Greg Bedard. Been out in Boston the last several years covering all things Boston sports, including the Patriots. We'll get a lowdown on the Patriots coming up with Greg at 7.33. And as always, 7.43 tonight, we'll tell you what to watch. As uh, we get into the nitty-gritty portion of the schedule here, Jeff. Oh, yes. We are, it, it is halftime of the season, if you will. And uh, the London games are all done. Thank goodness for that. And uh, you look around the league, and it's, it's just question mark after question mark aside of a small handful of teams. And I think even the Patriots have some questions about their season early on, but that seems to be kind of the Patriots' M.O. A little clunky in September, but by November they're clicking on all cylinders. Yeah, but the Saints, the Chiefs, the Rams, I think the Patriots are part of that group. That's the upper echelon of the NFL right now, and everybody else is looking to make a move. I don't know if I totally believe in teams like Washington and Carolina, although their records are they're fine. I mean, yeah. they're leading their division or among the division leaders. But a lot's going to play out here in the next several weeks, including, as you mentioned, the NFC North. They're going to beat up on each other, and it starts this weekend with Detroit taking on Minnesota. Now, I like to wait until Thanksgiving to really start handicapping the playoffs. And, again, you've, you've got, uh, okay, the Rams... Yep, they're going to win the West. The Saints look like they're well on their way to uh, to winning the South. I don't know about anything else. I'm, I'm a believer in Carolina with you. I'm less so about the Redskins. They have won three in a row. But I think Philadelphia ultimately will end up on top of that division. But it's just so hard to tell at this point. I mean, you know, Seattle had a nice win over the weekend on the road against Detroit. Okay, they're 4-3, and three, but, uh, you know, it's, and they won in London. But usually, if they're not playing in Seattle... But apparently, you can put them anywhere in the northern hemisphere, and and they're going to be competitive. I, I don't know. You know, I don't know if they're going to be there. I don't know between Chicago, Minnesota, Green Bay. One of them's got to drop off. You would think one of them would have to drop off. Um, you can't discount the Cowboys. I don't think totally at this point. So it's just, it's just too muddled. Uh, and that and that's again why these road games are so important because the Packers could very easily play themselves out of the conversation before the end of the month. So let's have a little identity check here. 414-799-1620 is the Aconet Mortgage talk and text line. The bulk of the teams in the NFL are in that middle class where, just like in Green Bay, you don't know what the heck the team is all about. And here you are going into week nine of the season. The Packers are 3-3-1, three, three and one, uh, week eight of the season. And, uh, no, week nine. I, and I, don't, I still don't know what to make of the Green Bay Packers. There are a lot of teams who can say the same thing their fan base can say the same thing about their respective teams. So what do we have here? It's a little identity check for your Green Bay Packers. This team is what to you as you watch it play out games week in and week out? What are you seeing here? Are you impressed or are you confused? I am confused. <laughs> uh, I, I would say that it's hard to figure out what their identity is because they're so inconsistent, and therein lies their identity. They're an inconsistent team. Okay, so there we go. The most consistent thing about the Packers is their level of inconsistency. You can count on them just, uh, I have no idea what just happened there. Well, right. That, that's kind of what Good it is. Good or bad. So week after week, and this is, right, some call it parody, some call it, you know, how garbage. you get an ulcer. It's garbage, if you ask me. It's not parody. I can't figure it, out it, who's good. It, it, exactly. So that's going to make but it yeah, interesting when you get to the playoffs. But, but even then, it's, it's a crapshoot. Week in and week out in the NFL, it's a crapshoot. Would you be totally surprised if the Packers went into New England to win a game? I would not. No. And that's the Aaron Rodgers factor. Would you be totally surprised if the Packers went into New England and lost 35-14? to 14? No, I would not be surprised at that either. Because I just don't think they're that great. And anything but I think they're between. capable. 
But I think they're capable. Yeah, I, you know, I, I would not be surprised if it's uh, 31 to 30. You know, just like against the Rams. it's They're right there. They're competing, but it's just a couple of little things that go against them. I thought in that game against the Rams, I thought the Packers were going to have to pull a Mike McCarthy from years ago when Matt Flynn started against the Patriots and steal a possession with a wacky onside kick yeah. when we were least expecting it. And they didn't have to do that. And I don't know if they're going to have to do that against the Patriots, but I hate thinking about the Packers in that light where ooh, they're going to have to get creative. It's going to have to be perfect. It's... It's not a position that that any Packer fan wants to be in. And, oh, no and I feel like that's kind of the position you're in right now when you're watching this team play. The second thing I would say is they are not good enough to overcome mistakes. And again, I go back to those two third-down plays in the second half where Aaron Donald, who, by the way, is fantastic, uh, but you know he gets the sack on third down. One leads to a field goal. One leads to short field for the Rams, which ultimately becomes the game-winning points. I think in years past, maybe not the last two years, but 2014 and maybe even to some degree 2015, they would have bounced back from that. But it just seems like one mistake snowballs into another. Sack on third down, short punt, field goal, fumble kickoff. And then even through all of that, maybe, maybe, if you stop them on that third down, you get the ball back with 30 seconds left, you got to go the length of the field. And they let Todd Gurley pick up the first down. Exactly. Victory formation. So that's where we stand with this year's Packers team. What do you think? 414-799-1620. The Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think they're a good enough team to beat anybody in the league. I believe that. But at the same token, they have yet to win a game on the road. And they had a missed opportunity against the Rams, maybe the best team in football. The schedule's not any easier this week in New England against the Patriots. It, it's just that... That level of uncertainty when I watch this team. I don't know what to expect, and that's what I'm going to watch. That's it. That's, that's the identity, right? Is is You just got to expect the unexpected. 414-799-1620 if you'd like to join us. We'll get to your thoughts coming up on the other side. Also more from Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers, who addressed the media a little earlier today. We'll have it for you after this. Miller Lights Packers Playbook continues. Hey, it's the Happy Halloween edition of Miller Lights Packers Playbook. I'm Greg Matzik with Jeff Falconio till 8 o'clock. Greg Bedard covers the Patriots out east. will join us coming up at 733. 414-799-1620. If you'd like to join us tonight, Dave in Pewaukee chiming in. You're on WTMJ. Hi, Dave. Hi, how are you? Great. Thanks for the call. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Dave, you got to turn the radio down. That's uh, it's not a Halloween trick. Just turn it down. It'll be a lot easier. I'll take off the wig too. Thanks. There you go. Thank you. Uh, yeah, my thought on it is that I think it comes down to coaching. And if you look at the special teams so far this year, if they were really coached properly, or I should say, maybe if the players responded better to the coaching. Uh, they would be 5-1-1 one, and one right now and in great shape in their division and in the NFC. So those are my thoughts. I, so I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not sure what to make of that. Is is the coaching lacking? Are the players not buying into the coaching? And we lost Dave. Okay. I, I don't think it's a matter of the players not buying in, but I think there is – I don't know if limitation is the right word, but it, it seems like the coaching overall is not – at a level where it's as effective as it should be. For example, I look at the Rams. Now, they run that three wide receiver, the 11 personnel, as it's called, almost exclusively. I mean, almost every single play is three wide receivers. Think back to a couple of years ago when the Packers did that, and what did everybody say? Stale. 
It's predictable. Nobody says that about the Rams. Because Sean McVay turns it into 3D chess. You know, they're splitting out the tight ends. They're splitting out Todd Gurley. They're running the jet sweeps. They're running the play action. They just do all kinds of things. And then special teams. John Fossil is just, you know, absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, they, they run the fake punt. They get the fumble recovery on the kickoff. They've had, I don't know how many punt deflections or punt blocks this year. I mean, you know, it's just, that's a whole other element that, that almost no other team in the NFL does. By the way, John, I don't know if you watched the All or Nothing series on Amazon. The, the one they did, the 2016 Rams. John Fossil stole the show. Stole the show. Interesting. He has this thing called Dojo Friday, which I always thought we should do. Okay. And, you know, maybe turn Ashton into a into a punching bag, but, man, he wasn't really up for that. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, you, and I think Mike Pettin had a really nice uh, game plan. You know, they got to Jared Goff, and especially on third down. But it's like there seems to be a ceiling with the coaching that you see other coaches. You see Andy Reid. Andy Reid is cutting edge now. Did you ever think we would say that? Sean McVay, again, I mean, runs three wide receivers. Mike McCarthy does it. It's boring. Sean McVay does it. It's must-see TV. It is interesting. Now, I, I, I'm interested to see where this all goes. I mean, at the end of the year, I wish I could see the crystal ball and how the coaching would look. Because I see three former head coaches in Green Bay managing this team. Offense and defense. Two of them on our offense, one's on defense. I look at the talent of the Rams. It's supreme to the Packers. I mean, it's not even close, to be honest with you. Because it's collective. It is on all sides of the ball, including special teams. And the best players on the Rams are in their prime, and they're loaded with talent. And this gets back to the point I made earlier. Ted Thompson should have been gone from his seat years ago. 2013 to 2015, it is that's supposed to yield the backbone of your team. Guys in their prime, making up Super Bowl depth or headlining your roster. And it's just not the case with the Packers. Only three rostered players out of that group. So you're left with aging veterans making more money than what they're worth. Clay Matthews and Nick Perry jump off the page. And young, exciting players such as Jair Alexander, that's great, but he's still a rookie. Yeah. So you're left without the creamy middle. It's our favorite part of the candy bar, Jeff, <laughs> the creamy middle. The, the Rams, and you have to remember, we, and we, talk, we had this discussion last week, what is a successful NFL franchise? You know, over the last five years or so, have the Packers been a success? The Rams could very well win the Super Bowl this year. But let's not forget all that had to fall into place for the Rams to get to where they are. Think of how many years. They bought a lot of pieces, too. Think of how many years they were a seven-win team, an eight-win team. They were good enough to be mediocre, but never good enough to make the playoffs. And they also had some pretty bad years in there as well. I mean, last year was their first playoff appearance. Is what, 2004 or something like that? Um, So part of it is, okay, they traded up to get Jared Goff. That's a home run. Obviously, they had a high enough draft pick to get Todd Gurley. That's a home run. And as you pointed out, you don't have to commit a lot of money to Jared Goff, so you've got a lot of money to spend on the defensive side of the ball. And they've overturned a lot of their wide receiver personnel as well. But, I mean, prior to last year, where have the Rams been? You know I mean? Prior to last year, where have the Eagles been? You know, so a lot, sometimes you, it, it does have to wash out, and, you know, it takes, for some teams like the Rams, a long, long time to finally get the pieces in place. But when you do, the Rams and Eagles now are where the Packers were after 2010. Huge window with an MVP-caliber quarterback. Can you take advantage of it? So it's that, harder than it, than, than it appears. Well, absolutely it is. There's no question about that. But I think Brian Gutekunst, with the trades he made, and this goes back to the draft day trade that was made to acquire a second first-round pick in 2019's draft, I, it's signs of a reload. This team needs a reload. It really does. A rebuild? No. When you're yeah. giving the quarterback that kind of money and you have the quarterback, you have an Aaron Rodgers, it's not a rebuild. 
but it's definitely a reload. This team does not have Super Bowl depth. It's not even close. I agree. And and you hate to get into a situation. And twenty nineteen is going to be really interesting. You've got two first round picks. Uh, obviously, you've got a lot of ammo to 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 trade up. Um, you hope they're going to be active in free agency because, um, you, yeah, you've committed all that capital, Aaron Rodgers. You can't, you know, you can't rebuild. You can't do what the Raiders are doing. You can't do what the Browns have done for it seems like forever. You know, you have to move forward with what you have. And there's not much there. 414-799-1620. If you'd like to join us, we'll have some fun with Candy after this in WTMJ. Happy Halloween. This is Miller Lights Packers Playbook. I'm Greg Matzik. He's Jeff Falconio. Greg Bedard will join us. We get a little Patriots preview coming up after the 7.30 news in the spirit of Halloween. We have uh, taken some time here on the program to identify certain NFL teams, and we uh, relate a piece of candy to them, Jeff. Uh, we have spent four hours trying to <laughs> figure out which candy is best associated with all the different teams in the NFL. Well, who is the candy answer key? That's that's what I want to know. Uh, well, that's a good point. Uh, I don't know the answer to that either, okay. but uh, I figure we'll just throw it up on the wall and Free candy. see if it uh, sticks, right? Yeah. All right. Somebody's got to be Skittles. Somebody's got to be Twix. Somebody's got to be Almond Joy. What are the Green Bay Packers? If you're going to associate a piece of candy or a candy bar what are the Green Bay Packers? You know the dumb, dumb suckers? They're the, the, the question mark, the mystery flavor, because you have no idea what you're going to get. As we just talked about, I mean, the, the, their consistency is within their inconsistency. Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears, are to me, are 100 grand because that's about what they had to throw out there just to be competitive. Cleveland Browns. They're mounds, and I'll tell you why. Now, coconut, sometimes it's good, but at least with an almond joy, you get the joy of having an almond in the candy bar. Who, who eats a mounds bar? This is chocolate and coconut. There's nothing there. The New England Patriots. Old Reliable. It's got to be a crunch bar. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, did we have one for the Steelers? I, we didn't. I'm trying to think. What? Here's how Jeff and I did this and how, you, Greg, we were doing this with you also was, what what words do you use to describe this? And then that's how we kind of figure out the candy. Okay. What, what are you using to describe the Steelers, at least this season? Because they're, they're not what they were. Yet they're right there to... Be in position to win the division, hmm. right? So, what's a candy bar that used to be good now? Maybe not so much. Uh, exactly. So you're looking for the thing that boy, this used to taste delicious, and now it's still sort of okay. But I, I just don't. Milky Way. I don't like it as much as I used to. A Milky Way. You know why? Because uh, candy bar achievement has gone so far beyond just here's chocolate and caramel. Okay. All right. We're having some fun now. Yeah. Let's uh, let's let's keep going. <laughs> uh, the Packers will play the New England Patriots this weekend. What do we have for them? Well, the Patriots are they're, they're oh yes we've already done that old how, reliable how about the Oakland Raiders uh, the Oakland Raiders are I, I think they're candy corn I now, disagree I, yeah, that's Ashton not nice just, what a shock Ashton loves candy corn candy corn it's just awful just give up just flush it down the toilet okay I can subscribe to that the Atlanta Falcons oh boy so I've got one for the Atlanta Falcons here the Atlanta Falcons are three musketeers when I bite into a three musketeers I expect more on the inside. I want more on the inside because I see. I feel like this should be good. The chocolate yeah. casing is there, and, it, and then it's just like all fluff. It leaves you wanting more. I don't, I don't know what's inside there. It's it's just not. It's not getting me to buy it again. Well, now we're on to something here. See, I think we're getting somewhere. The New York Giants, to me, what's them call it? Because I can't <laughs> quite pick out the right adjective to describe how bad they are. Okay, the New Orleans Saints, to me, they're the Heath Bar. Because the Heath Bar is incredibly underrated. You never think to yourself, I want a Heath Bar. And then when it's in front of you and you eat it, you're like, this is so good. And I feel like people don't really recognize that we went through this last year, just how good this Saints team is. Because they were so bad early on that you thought, oh, well, okay. 
They're going to take a big step backwards this year. But look at where they are now. Look so, at how good they are. So now if the New Orleans Saints are a Heath bar, then to me the, the Los Angeles Rams or the Kansas City Chiefs would be a score, which to me is a better version of a Heath bar. Oh, that's interesting. Well, I I thought the Rams were Snickers because that's just that's the best classic. You know, absolutely, you got everything there. You got your peanuts. You got your nougat. Kansas City to me, that's a Kit Kat bar. You know why? Give me a break. I mean, how good is this offense? Yeah. Like where you going with this? Break me off a piece of that offense. Okay, let's let's do one of the more enigmatic teams in the NFL this season, the Seattle Seahawks. See, now I think that's Skittles, and it's not just in memory of Marshawn Lynch, but they got that tough exterior. Mm-hmm. And it's still good. Candy you shell. Know, you know, it could sit out for a while and maybe be a little bit stale, but it's still good. And that, I mean, that describes the Seahawks. I think it does. What about the Panthers? I've been trying to think of a candy for the Panthers for a couple hours now. I can't. I can't find so, one. So the Carolina Panthers are the candy bar or piece of candy that you forget about, and then the next time you check in on it, you're like, "Yeah, it's, it's pretty good." Payday bar. Payday. Good stuff. I'll go with that. I don't know if I like that, because I feel like everyone knows it's good, though. Everyone already knows that payday is good. They don't need to be reminded of it. I don't think people do know that. I I, I don't hear people talking about payday. I think payday gets lost in the shuffle. I would would have said take five, because until you had said take take five. five is spectacular. Well, until you had said that earlier, though, I had forgotten it existed. That's that's a Cadillac right there. (laughs) There Nothing wrong with the payday. Oric, take five. Um, This is fun. Yeah. I've enjoyed this. You know, I'm sorry. The Rams are the Clark bar. They're the best. The Eagles are the Snickers bar. Everything is there. What is Twix? Did we figure out Twix uh, we yet? Didn't, we didn't. We didn't. We didn't. Could, we the didn't Twix could be the Packers because you know, like you know, they do the left right thing. Like you don't know which one you're getting, the left or the right. I feel like that could also work for the Packers. We'll noodle on it. All right. I think you need a versatile team to be Twix. Okay, the Packers would be Sour Patch Kids. That's from Bob and Greenfield. How so? Sour Patch Kids are great. I don't. Yeah, yeah I don't, I'm Does not that, with that. You 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 go in like kind of puckered up. To the experience, and then after then a while, you, you kind bad. of soften. Sweet tarts. Because those like are, Packers are kind of the opposite. Maybe of sweet that. tarts are the, I like that based on this thinking, because sweet tarts aren't exactly sweet. They just kind of like chalk. Well, that's why it's sweet tart. It's actually tart, but it's a sweet tart. So maybe that's the Packers. It's not sweet. The uh, San Francisco 49ers, uh, if we may close this out, they are those wax bottles of cola. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, absolutely. I think everybody knows what I'm talking about. Somewhere between that and circus peanuts. 7.35 on WTMJ. Greg Matzik and Jeff Falconio with you. This is Miller Lite's Packers Playbook. Coming up in our next segment, we'll get you ready for the weekend of the NFL. It actually begins tomorrow night. We'll tell you what to watch. Time to welcome in a good friend of ours to the program, a former Packers beat writer for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. has been out east for a number of years, covering all things Boston sports, including the Patriots, owner and operator of the BostonSportsJournal.com, our friend Greg Bedard. Happy Halloween, Greg. What's up, fellas? Happy to hear from you. This is good stuff. And uh, we were discussing in our last segment, we were trying to associate different brands of candy to different NFL teams. You can imagine the uh, hijinks that we had in the studio here. <laughs> what are the New England Patriots? What kind of candy are they? Candy bar? Anything. Oh, jeez. Uh, I don't know. What's the best and most consistent? Um, probably, you know, Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Okay. That's fair. I don't know, something like that. Yeah. When I say Crunch Bar, because it's just old reliable. You yeah. know what you're getting. I'm, you know exactly what you're getting. Pretty much, I'm penciled in uh, to at least AFC the AFC Championship game and most times the Super Bowl. But, um, I mean, I think it's now six straight years they've been at least to the Final Four. I mean, it's been it's, – it's, it's insane. It's, it's unheard of. At some point, we need to consider realignment of divisions here, I think. <laughs> oh, 
AFC East. I mean, I thought the N- NFC North was bad when I was there. Um, the AFC East, I mean, look, I mean, even just now, look, the Dolphins aren't playing Tannehill. Who knows whether, you know, they're just going to go with Brock Osweiler. You have the Bills, which, um, you know, I'm pretty sure Alabama's offense is better than our, their offense at this point. And True. then the Jets, the Jets are the Jets. They're always, you know, doing something. So it's outside of, like, the Rex Ryan two years where the Jets went to the AFC uh, championship game pretty much. It's just a terrible division. You can chalk up the Patriots to 5-1 and one every year because they always have one game in the division where you're like, what? How did they lose that? There's always one. So 5-1 and one every year. Or 7-1, and one, sorry. Uh, for as good as New England is, they, they're not without their flaws, though, this year. And, and it seems like at running back, there's some concern there. What's happening? Yeah, well, I mean, they started they started the season with a full house backfield, and you were like, well, I, I don't even know how all these guys are going to get carries. I mean, basically Jeremy Hill, who they had signed from the Bengals, um, was the best back in training camp in the preseason. He goes down in the first game. They don't replace him. Rex Burkhead, who's probably their best all-around running back, goes down in week three. They don't replace him. Uh, the rookie first-round pick, Sony Michelle, who missed all of training camp, is suddenly thrust into the every-down role, and he's been hurt. It looked like he, was, he sustained a season-ending injury against the Bears, but he actually uh, practiced at the end of last week. Uh, I would I would guess that he's a game-time decision for this, but he didn't play this past week, and you know they have Kenyon Barner on the roster. They decided not to use him. James White is more the pass catcher. And they decided to use Corderell Patterson, um, the old Viking at tailback. He got the most carries, 10, yard, uh, 10 carries. And uh, outside of one run, didn't really do anything. And so, yeah, they're hurting. And I would say, I would say this is not, at the, at the midway point, this is not the normal Patriots team. By now, normally what you get is the first four games, they kind of scuffle along, play a bunch of players, whatever, and then they start hitting their stride. This team has not come close to hitting their stride yet. So uh, this is a good time for the Packers to be playing them. You know, Greg, there will be some pregame hype uh, leading up to the game. Of course, you're talking about two of the best quarterbacks to ever play, even though they won't play each other specifically and whatnot. We know how that works. But will this game live up to its hype? I I feel like it's it's hype, but I feel like it's also token hype because the Packers are scuffling along right now, still, of course, in the hunt in a very strange division, the NFC North. And, yes, Aaron Rodgers is magnificent, and so is Tom Brady, but will it be one of those classic Brady-Rodgers duels? Do you think it'll, it'll play out that way? I think it will. I mean, I just for a couple of reasons. The first is that in the two times that, you know, I've been on the other side, I mean, I left I left in the middle of two, switched from the Packers beat to the Patriots beat in the middle of 2010, and the Packers came here. This is the last time they were there, and that was the Matt Flynn game, and the, the Packers gave them all they could handle. Uh, the Packers should have won that game. The Patriots ended up winning that game. And then four years ago, the, the Patriots go out there and the Packers beat them. It was their last loss, I think, before they won the Super Bowl. Um, so the, the Packers seem to play up. I mean, this is since we're not covered the team. They seem to play up to their opponent and also down the opponent. And so, you know, this is Sunday Night Football. The Packers usually play pretty well in that sort of type of atmosphere. And the other thing is, look, you know, 
you know, the, the Patriots defense uh, offense certainly has the potential to put up 43 points like they did against Kansas City against, um, you know, a bad defense. But their defense also has the, the capacity and all likelihood is going to give up a lot of points if you can cash in in the red zone. And so I expect this to be a tight, very high-scoring affair, and I think we are going to see Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers air it out like we've all wanted them to. Were you surprised that the Patriots did not make a move going into the trade deadline? Uh, a little bit. Um, I wasn't on one hand that, you know, they've had a lot of cap issues um, because they, they have not hit on the draft in recent years. This year they aren't really getting any contributions outside of Michelle, and he's hurt. Um, you know, it, they, they haven't got much out of the draft in, in, in quite a few years. And so that means that you're having to pay a lot of veterans and, and they didn't have much cap space. We did a story a couple of weeks ago about how, I mean, they only had a million dollars of cap space left and that was not going to last them to the end of the season. So they had to do something. So they restructured Gilmore. Um, and that bought them some space and people were like, Oh, well, they can make a deal. Well, it was going to have to be pretty cheap because they still don't have a whole lot of cap room. And so I'm not surprised in that aspect. The other aspects, look, they, um, they made deals, I think, four or five straight years. They need help. I thought they might either go for a receiver to help Brady or uh, a linebacker safety type to help them in coverage because they can't cover anybody out of the backfield or, or tight ends right now. Um, but they didn't do that, and they're going to have to make do. Check out his work. He's the owner and operator of the Boston Sports Journal and uh, just finishing up Trick or Treat. It was a busy day at the uh, Bedard household. Uh, always is. Let's see. You know, I was in L.A. covering the World Series, came home Monday. The the Patriots were playing that night. Um, you know, this is the last two nights have actually been, you know, a little slow as far as Boston sports. But that's a that's a rarity. Well, there's another championship right around the corner. <laughs> I know. I mean, they they had a parade today. You know, it's like, well, I'll, you know, I'll just get the next one. I mean, they're every other year pretty much. Oh, awesome stuff, Craig. So good to connect with you, my friend. Thanks for taking the time out and joining us tonight. Yeah, I'm disappointed that the Brewers didn't make it. I was hoping to make my return to Milwaukee, but I guess that's going to have to wait. Yeah, we were all looking forward to coming out to Fenway and uh, to seeing it all play out. And it's, uh, hey, maybe next year. No. I look forward to it. Good stuff, Greg. Thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. Anytime. See you. Uh, you bet. That's uh, Greg Bedard. Uh, miss his stuff in the yeah. Milwaukee Journal Center. Good. Great Packers beat writer for many years. Coming up next, we'll get you set for the weekend of the NFL. We will tell you what to watch after this. This is Miller Lights Packers Playbook. I'm Greg Matzek. Welcome back to the show. Jeff Falconio with me tonight. We will have a Sports Central coming up from 8 to 9, and uh, a lot of interesting nuggets to get to regarding the Brewers and the Bucks. We'll do that all coming up after the 8 o'clock news. We do have Week 9 of the NFL season on the horizon. Time to get you ready for it. Time to tell you what to watch. And, Jeff, we start with the games you must pay attention to this week and weekend. If nothing else, watch these games. We like to call it must-see TV. Let's start at the top here. Rams in New Orleans. What do you want here? Record-wise, the two best teams, maybe in the NFL. This could be an NFC Championship preview. 
Uh, two tremendous offenses, certainly two of the best teams in the NFC. And by the way, it's good to have the music back. We didn't have it last week. Uh, that is true. Kansas City at Cleveland. I'm sorry, Browns fans. This is all about the Chiefs offense averaging 36 points per game. They are. We said it last week. We're going to say it week. They are must-see TV regardless of who they play. Pittsburgh at Baltimore. Now, this is kind of an offense versus defense matchup, one of the classic, somewhat new rivalries in the NFL. And I'm trying to figure out who to believe in. I do not believe in the Ravens. I, I've said that all year. I will continue to feel that way. But not a lot of strength in the AFC North. So even though this doesn't have the same flavor that it used to have, it's going to be a pretty big game. Detroit at Minnesota. It's a muddled NFC North, as we know. Time to start paying close attention to what's going on. Yeah, here, here we go. This is going to be the start of a huge run from now until the end of the season. Very key divisional games, it seems like, every week. Chargers at Seattle. Sneaky game here in the must-see TV category. Chargers have won four straight. Seattle, two in a row, both chasing great teams in their division and both in the wild-card mix. If you haven't been paying attention, and it's easy not to, the Chargers are turning into one of the best teams in the NFL. That's our category. That's must-see TV. Next up on the list, the games that you'll want to check into from time to time to see if they're good. If your only other option is yard work. I'm going with Atlanta and Washington here. My three Musketeers team against the Redskins. Trying to see something out of the Atlanta team that makes me believe that they could be a playoff team again. Washington's atop their division, whether you think they've played great or not. Well, who do you believe in here? Uh, you're right. I mean, this is a statement game for either team. If Washington wins, they've won four in a row. They're six and two. If the Falcons win, then you think, okay, they're pretty close to being back. Houston at Denver. The Broncos traded receiver Demarius Thomas to Houston last week. Houston plugs a hole filled by the uh, vacancy of Will Fuller, who was injured. The Texans are on quite a roll right now. Yeah, I think the Texans are on the cusp of becoming must-see TV. This offense starting to look like what we really expected, and uh, things are really locking down here. By the way, you got Deshaun, DeAndre, and Demarius now in that Houston offense. You've got it all. Yeah. Tennessee at Dallas. Now, most games the Titans played turn out to be a bit of a rock fight. Yeah. Every once in a while, they surprise you and put up some decent points. Uh, but this Dallas defense, I think, has also played pretty well. They've got a new weapon in Amari Cooper. And you've got two, three, and four teams. And again, it's a little too early to start handicapping the postseason, but three and five, that's tough to climb out of. Tampa Bay at Carolina. Here we go. It's a division matchup and Welcome back, Fitzman. Yeah, absolutely. So that that alone in itself is worth the price of admission. Keep your eye on the Panthers, though. I have added the Jets in Miami to this list. I'm not really sure really? why I did it, but I did. I, I have moved it around. <laughs> is this an well, early advanced scouting uh, report for, for Miami? Well, it's it's a 3-5 and five Jets team led by a rookie quarterback and a Miami Dolphins team led by Brock Osweiler. I don't know why I have it in the yard work category. I, I guess maybe, maybe well, I mean, it's, it's the kind last of a, day of Brocktober. Maybe that could be. Uh, well, it is today anyway. When yeah. they play, it'll be Brock Vember. That's right. One team is three and five. One is four and four. Maybe it should just stay. Yeah, in the, uh... Why isn't Bro Vember a thing? That's what I want to. Hey, that's not bad. Yeah. Uh, no, that's a pass. All right, we're moving that down to the uh, next category: the games that you don't need to pay attention to. Apparently, the Jets in Miami fit into that category. Of. <laughs> I'd rather visit a proctologist. No need to rehash it. Jets and Miami belong in this category. I also have Oakland and San Francisco in here. Combined record two and thirteen. This is must-miss TV. This is Thursday, oh, Thursday night football, night. by yeah. the way. So, oh, my goodness. Uh, you might have a fantasy player or two, but that might be about it. And I do have Chicago and Buffalo here. Now, I know it's a division game. Uh, not a division game, but a division opponent of the Packers, so you want to pay attention to what the Bears are doing. But Buffalo is starting Nathan Peterman. You might as well throw Ashton out there to play quarterback, <laughs> for goodness sake. They have scored 13, 5, and 6 points in their last three games. I mean, their Super, so Super Bowl was Minnesota, right? It's all. It's, it's pretty much all downhill since then. So even though the Bears are 
right there in the division mix. Way, I mean, the Bears have uh, some injuries, and they're slogging through here. That's a bad game. Yeah. That's going to be a bad yeah. game on the schedule. Uh, played in Buffalo, for what it's worth. Mm. You are not. That's it. That was fast, right? All right. Well, we're done. Is that it? Is that that's all? That's it. We now know. What to watch. We'll wrap up the program, I guess, after this. Well, during the break, or at least at some point in the last 20 minutes, Jeff Falconio has decided on <laughs> more teams to associate candy with. Yeah, two, two came to mind. Yep. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings are Butterfinger. Okay. Now, Butterfinger's Is that good. because of Laquan Treadwell? It's not, uh, although good connection. He had a case of the dropsies in Green Bay. Well, he's had a case of the dropsies pretty much everywhere. but Better than the runs. Um, <laughs> true that. Butterfinger is good, but it sticks to your teeth, and therefore it's annoying. Yeah. And, and the Vikings are good, and I'm annoyed, as I'm sure everybody else is, by the fact that they're good. <laughs> and the Dallas Cowboys, and this is very specific, are orange dots. Now, I love dots. All right, I go to the movie theater, I get a box of dots, and every time I open one up, half of them are orange. Okay. They're everywhere, whether they're good or not. And that's the Cowboys. It's always been that way. I mean, they're just they're always playing in the, the prime time, yeah, three twenty five games, media circus, and all that. And yeah. I want to know why when you get a box of dots, half of them are the, the orange flavor, which is just so plain. And you get like one of the pink flavored one. I don't even know what pink is. Is it watermelon or strawberry, whatever it is? It's like we slap the tariff on uh, whoever's producing the pink ones. Why do they do that? I don't when, understand the pink either. is the favorite of everybody, but they insist on loading it up with orange dots, and that's the Cowboys. It's enough already. Is blue raspberry blue because there was just too many other reds? Probably. you got to distinguish. Because there is no blue raspberry. I mean, if there is, I ain't eating it. Yeah. Um, So that's a confusing flavor that I would associate with a confusing team in the NFL. So who is the most confusing team in the NFL? I think the Packers are a confusing team in the NFL. There are many. Packers are blue raspberry. Not a candy specifically, but it's it's a flavor, it's a thing. Well, isn't there like a, a I don't know a sweet tart a or slushy or, or whatever? It's got, it's got some kind of there has to be Jolly some kind Rancher. of candy. Jolly Rancher, we'll go with that. Jolly Rancher, uh, a Starburst that's a blue uh, blue. Uh, I don't think they have that. Really? I mean, Starburst no, has got everything. They don't. They don't. They don't. No. No. They have like taco flavor. Every flavor what imaginable is? is a Starburst. Taco? I don't know. No, that's not true. Uh, I asked Greg Bedard the question. I'll ask you as well. Yeah, good to have you back, by the way, Aston. I don't know where you've been for the last 20 minutes. Um, is this going to be a fun shootout kind of, oh, boy, here we go, two of the best quarterbacks of all time going at it? I guess I don't get that sense yet, but, well, again, therein lies the confusion. I think the same attitude from last week carries over in that a win is great. If you hang around and, and, and it's that you know shootout or even sort of a, the, the non-shootout that you had against the Rams, that's great. But there's always that possibility that this could be a classic Bill Belichick where he just throws up, you know, the double bird and, and rolls up 42 points. And, you know, it's 42 to 10 or 38 to 7 or something. It's like he did to the Dolphins earlier this year. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like a win is great. As a close loss, you know, possible shootout, okay. That's what you expect, but this could get away from them yeah, But I, I, I hate being in that situation, okay? I know. You have I outlined the, the exact same thing that I said last week going into the Rams game. Right, exactly. There were three scenarios that I could see playing out. Number one, the Packers win. Number two, the Packers lose a close one. Number three, they just get blown to smithereens. Right, and it's two weeks in a row. And it's like I, I would have been happy with two out of those three instead of just one. You know what I mean? And I'm, oh, in that, I'm in that same category going into this week, where if it's a close one, 
Or if they win, hey, thumbs up. I just don't want to see him get blown out. I, that, that is Bears talk from the last several years, right? I mean, that just... Oh, no, sure. Yeah. Right? That's, that's the hard part right now about, I think, being a Packers fan. This is a whole new world. I don't want to say a brave new world. It's a scary new world that we're in here with the Packers. Because as I said, they're a team that, unlike the past, is not good enough to overcome mistakes. They are a team that can no longer, you feel like, oh, they've got back-to-back tough games or, oh, it's a challenging part of the schedule. Ah, they should come away with it two out of three or one and one or whatever. You don't feel that way about this team. You feel like almost the best-case scenario is you played a good game against the Rams but lost. You played a good game against New England and you lost. And then hope you get it back somewhere. Maybe a short week against uh, Seattle. Speaking of which, if there's one saving grace here, and it was a pretty lengthy injury report for New England, they are coming off a Monday night game. So, I mean, it's a short week for the Patriots. Maybe that's enough. Probably not. We do have some texts coming in, uh, weighing in our candy discussion. We may have to continue this on the other side. We can apply it to all sports teams, by the way. Oh. Uh, who's a chunky bar? Um... Um, whoever you know, whoever Charles Barkley is playing for. Uh, how about like, I can't really say that anymore? But how about Razzies? I don't even know what a Razz is. It, it, those little Razzles, Razzles, like you know the little candy that turns into gum. Oh, that's an uh, L, not an I. Oh, is that what that is? Yeah, those okay. Are, those are Razzles. Those are great. Really? So yeah, they're good. So it's a blow pop, basically. Yeah, but you don't. You, there's no sucker part of it, so it's better. Oh. Yeah, the blow pop is associated to whatever team I'm excited to watch and then lets me down at the end because the gum lasts for... Is there negative time you can associate to how long that gum lasts? Before you open up the Raptor. That's I mean, it's terrible. The gum flavor drops off quickly. It do. We are out of time on tonight's program. Although I will continue... Whether you like it or not, oh, until you, 9 you, o'clock. You easily got another hour here. Just, you know, <laughs> now we might milk the Halloween candy sports. discussion for what it's worth. We'll have some fun with it. We are done with Packers Playbook Sports Central on the other side. Some interesting nuggets for the Brewers and Bucks I do want to share with you coming up on the other side of the news. I want to thank Greg Bedard for joining us and join Jeff on Packers Preview Sunday afternoon. I'll be by for Packers postgame after the game until 1 o'clock or whenever they tell me I have to go. The news is next in WTMJ.